Um, uh, Paul and Barnabas, Acts 14, 27 says, and when they had arrived and gathered the church together, they began to report all things that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. That's basically what I'm going to do this morning is share with you on how God has used his word and how he continues to use his word uh, to save people throughout the world and uh, bring them to a knowledge of his son, Jesus Christ. Uh, those of you who are regulars here know by now that we are an international, interdenominational association of Christian business and professional men whose goal is to reach men, women, boys, and girls with the saving knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. <clears throat> I'd like to start by asking a question this morning. Are you making a difference? And are you making a difference in eternity? Hopefully, uh, when I'm finished this morning, you will see that those of us in the Gideon ministry are making a difference in our community and around the world uh, for eternity. When I talk to people about Gideon's, one of the questions I commonly get asked is, well, how much time does it take? Uh, and there's no answer to that question. It all depends on you and what God has given you, uh, the time he gives you, uh, your situation. We have some Gideons that um, actually don't do a lot in the ministry, and we have others that for it them it's almost a, a full-time job so it just depends on what God has for you but I think uh, more important is to recognize the benefits of membership in the Gideons International and our wives are involved in uh, the Gideons Auxiliary as well and there are several benefits and the first one is fellowship with like-minded business and professional men you know, as men, uh, we're really put on by our society. Uh, we hear a lot of things from our culture, from the world that are really not, not true and a lot of times not very helpful. And it's a real blessing to be able to interact with other business and professional men uh, who have gone through similar experiences in management, uh, personnel, human resources, business ethics, things like that, and to fellowship and learn from each other uh, and as Gideons, there's usually someone who's gone through a similar situation and can give godly and biblical advice uh, to help. And that's a great, great benefit. Um, we have, uh, we meet for everyone who can on Saturday mornings uh, for our prayer breakfasts where we read scripture together, we pray together, we have a fellowship breakfast together, and it's a good time of, of fellowship with other believers <coughs> Um, there are also great opportunities for training and spiritual growth. As Gideons, we are encouraged to read through the entire Bible every year uh, and to memorize scripture. Uh, we get uh, training and we encourage each other in, in growth and hold each other accountable. And, and I can tell you, and I think it, probably every Gideon and uh, auxiliary member can tell you, that the Gideons has been a, one of the greatest ways that we have grown spiritually is through that ministry and then also there's training and opportunities to witness uh, we have training we have tools and we get opportunities to actually share our faith with others uh, those of you who have been through uh, the conversations training that we offer have gotten just a little taste of that training and, and some of the opportunities uh, as a Gideon and auxiliary member you'll get a lot more of that um, one of the, excuse me. Uh, 
forgot to bring my props. One of the things that I enjoy most about the, uh, the Gideon ministry is uh, these New Testaments that we call our Personal Workers Testaments, or PWTs for short. Uh, I've also used tracts, but I like to use these because it, it gives someone the actual, their own personal copy of God's Word. And in the back, we have the Gospel verses and uh, an example, Sinner's Prayer. Now, last year when I spoke, I shared with you the story of uh, my nurse uh, when I was in the, the hospital for heart surgery in 2022, or uh, the nurse Katie, uh, that uh, God allowed me to use a PWT uh, and lead her in the sinner's prayer as uh, she became a new believer. I don't always have time to do that. A lot of times we just encounter people for a few minutes at a time and I can still give them uh, a copy of God's word and get the gospel in their hands and trust the Holy Spirit to use that. In December, I had a colonoscopy, um, and uh, the nurse that was doing the prep for me was Julie. Uh, I asked her if she would be the nurse when I, after the procedure when I woke up, and she said, no, that would be a different nurse. She just did the prep. And if you've ever been through the... Um, Southwest uh, gastroenterology, whatever it's called, <coughs> they run you through pretty much like an assembly line. So I only had a few minutes with her uh, during the prep, but I told her I had a free gift for her, and she gladly accepted uh, the PWT. And then I told her, God also has a free gift for you, and it tells all about that inside the back cover. So she said that she would read inside the back cover, and then never saw her again, but I trust that God will use that uh, to speak to her heart. So that's another one of the benefits of our ministry. If you've ever considered uh, becoming a Gideon, there, in New Mexico, there is no better time than right now because <clears throat> we have an exciting year coming up, several opportunities uh, to serve the Lord and several benefits. Um, first of all, um, our local groups are organized into what we call camps. We get our our terminology uh, and the basis of our ministry from the story of Gideon in uh, the book of Judges. And so we're organized into camps. I'm in the Albuquerque camp. Uh, as I mentioned, James is in the Rio Rancho camps. We have camps throughout New Mexico and Arizona and across the country and around the world. Uh, our camps are organized into state associations or regional associations. And we are part of the Southwest Association, which includes all of New Mexico and Arizona. Um, every year we have a, uh, an association convention. This year in April, it will be in Tucson. Um, and the conventions are a great time uh, of fellowship, um, singing praises together to God. We have uh, Bible hour speakers that come in and minister to us. Uh, we do have training on various parts of the ministry, uh, opportunities for sharing the gospel, and we hear testimonies. Not like you'll hear from me secondhand, but the people that actually came to know the Lord through our ministry will come and share with us their testimony. Um, so it's a great time. We also have a, uh, a pastor appreciation banquet, and Pastor Frank has been to several of those in the past where we have uh, the local pastors and their wives come in. Uh, we have a, uh, a banquet with them and express to them our thanks and our appreciation for all they do. Uh, in the ministry. It's also another great time. And we have testimony speakers there as well. And then we have a, um, on the second night, we have a, a fellowship banquet. Um, so it's a chance to meet Gideons from all over New Mexico and Arizona and hear what God is doing in other parts of our, our communities. And it's just a, a great time. 
Um, we also, every year in July, have an international convention, which is basically the same thing, but on a much larger scale. And we get to interact with Gideons and Auxiliary from all over the world and hear what God is doing in, in different parts of the world. Um, now, the, the music here at Mountain Christian Church is great, but I can tell you, until you've been to a convention with over a thousand spirit-filled believers in one big convention room all singing together praises to God, it's just a wonderful experience. Uh, we also have a pastor appreciation banquet there and a fellowship banquet as well. And one of the things that the fellowship banquet there is a lot of the people from other parts of the world will come dressed in their traditional native outfits. Um, and so if you become a Gideon, there are opportunities. You can volunteer to be a, uh, an usher and really meet people from around the world or do other things. Uh, the last time the convention was held in, in Phoenix, I was an usher, and I got assigned to one of the international tables uh, and uh, trying to scramble around, find seats for everybody, get everybody seated. And these people were in their native dress, and every time I got them seated, someone would come by and want to take a picture, and so they'd all have to stand up and get the picture, and then I have to get them seated again, and somebody else would come and take a picture. But it, it was a great time, and it's great to interact with people from around the world and to hear what God is, is doing there. Uh, we have the conventions, various parts of the country, and it never gets closer to us than Phoenix. So it's a, a good opportunity to, uh, to go to one of these conventions. <clears throat> Uh, and then in September, we're having what we call a, uh, a scripture blitz uh, for central New Mexico. Now, what happens there is we get Gideons uh, from all, all out, uh, throughout New Mexico and Arizona, and also usually get Gideons from other parts of the country will come in and help us for a very intensive uh, two to three days of witnessing and sharing God's word. And we try to distribute scriptures in all of our distribution points, the high schools, middle schools, um, UNM and CNM, the hotels. Uh, our wives in the auxiliary go to doctors and dentist offices and uh, veterinary clinics and, and other places uh, to give out God's word and to share um, Christ with people. Uh, the last one we had here in, in Albuquerque was in 2018. And at, in that blitz, we gave out 5,400 copies of God's word in our community. And we had at least six people commit them, their lives to Christ during that blitz, six people that I know of. Um, this year, uh, during the school year, our camp, the Albuquerque camp, has been uh, going to high school and middle schools two to three times a week. So far for this year, we've given out over 1,600 copies of the New Testament to high school and middle school students in our own community. Uh, we also have a booth at the New Mexico State Fair this year, we gave out 5,325 scriptures at the New Mexico State Fair and also had the opportunity uh, to tell others that came up uh, at the State Fair to tell them about Jesus Christ. In Arizona, their State Fair is a lot bigger and it runs a lot longer than ours. Uh, we gave out 18,950 copies of God's Word and saw at least 20 salvations during the Arizona State Fair. Uh, we also, in November, had a, a blitz in Tucson, Arizona, where we gave out 11,327 copies of God's Word. So again, I would ask you, are you making a difference in eternity? <clears throat> uh, as Gideons, we are, and you can be a part of that. 
Um, in Acts 1.8, Jesus said, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. Are you doing that? Well, we as Gideons are. <coughs> and hopefully you will support us through prayer, through uh, financial support, and also I hope many of you will, will join us. Uh, Jim Arzigian uh, has recently completed an application that's in the process, so very soon we will have another Gideon here in Mountain Christian Church, and I praise God for that. Uh, during a distribution at a food pantry, uh, Gideon James Warner came to a vehicle that had four adults in it, uh, and he, he had uh, personal workers' testaments and told them he had a free gift for them, and each one of them accepted a copy of the New Testament. He then had them open to the inside the back cover and started going through the gospel verses in the back. Now, the woman who was driving was on her cell phone at the time talking to her mother. And she said, I've got to go, Mama. We're talking to a man. Well, her mother said, well, don't hang up. I was listening to what he said, and I want to hear what he has to say, too. Uh, so she put her mother on speakerphone, and James continued uh, to go through the gospel verses after he had finished, he uh, asked if they would like to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And all three of them said, yes, they would. Uh, then into the, to the uh, cell phone, he said, how about you, Mama? Do you want to accept Jesus? And she said, yes, I do. Praise the Lord. So he was able to lead all four of them in the sinner's prayer as they uh, accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior. <clears throat> A young man named Mark... Uh, went to an open-air concert, and he had too much to drink, and he was, addressed, he was uh, arrested for drunk and disorderly behavior. Uh, he was taken to a cell in the local police station. When he started to sober up a bit and came to himself, he looked around the cell for something to read, uh, and what he found was a, a Gideon New Testament. He'd never seen a Bible before, he'd never had a Bible, didn't know anything about it, but he opened to the table of contents, and there he was amazed to find that his own name was in the book, uh, Mark. So he turned to the Gospel of Mark and started reading it, uh, read it all the way through, and was very impressed with the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So he continued to reading and read all the way through to the end of Revelation, and then read... Uh, the gospel verses uh, in the back and saw the sinner's prayer and he was convicted of his sins, confessed those to God and accepted Christ as his Lord and Savior. Uh, when he was released from jail, he found a, uh, a Bible-believing church and began worshiping with other believers. Joe Mosier was 40 years old and he'd been in, uh, spent more than 15 years in prison for various robberies. Um, growing up, his... Um, father kept telling him it wasn't really his son, and he couldn't remember a time when he didn't hate his father. Shortly after high school graduation, his girlfriend informed him that she was pregnant. So he ran away, enlisted in the Navy, and started naval basic training. But it wasn't long before he got in trouble there, and he was kicked out of the Navy before he even finished his training. After wandering around for a while, he met another guy who was also broke and desperate, and he convinced Joe that they ought to uh, hold up a, um, an all-night supermarket. So they did. But the take was pretty small, so they decided to hit another one, and they did that too. But this time they were arrested, and um, 
Joe was sentenced to 20 years in prison for armed robbery. Um, at that point, he began to hate society and the world and everything about it because that's what he blamed for all the problems in life. Thought everything that had gone wrong for him wasn't his fault, it was society's fault. And, and so he was filled with hatred and bitterness. Um, six years later, there was a riot in the prison and the prison was burned. So the authorities allowed all of the inmates who had served any portion of their sentence to be paroled, and that included uh, Joe, so he was paroled with the, the rest of them. But in less than nine months, he was arrested once again, again for robbery, um, and sent to a federal prison uh, because of five robberies that he was convicted of. Uh, he served another 10 years and then was paroled once again. But once again, he jumped parole and was back to his old ways. He was again arrested and uh, put in a county jail. Now, in the holding cell where he was, there were about a dozen bunks, and they were all occupied except one. He went to that one bunk, and there he found, laying on the bunk, a, uh, a Gideon New Testament. He picked it up, and it happened to open to uh, John 3.16. He read that verse over and over again and was deeply moved. So he continued uh, reading the, the Bible, and uh, realized that his problem was his sins, so he committed his life to Jesus Christ. Uh, the county sentenced him to 20 years imprisonment uh, for his robberies, and the uh, Federal Parole Commission added another 20 years onto it because of all his parole violations. <laughs> As a new believer, he prayed that God would release him from prison but he also prayed that if it was God's will that he stay in prison and serve his entire sentence, that God would show him some way that he could serve him in the prison. Well, miraculously, God granted him yet another parole. But this time, things were different. Uh, God had removed all of the hatred and bitterness from him in his life of crime. Uh, today, he's happily married. He has a loving family. Uh, all of the bitterness and hatred is gone. Uh, and he's um, serving in a church. <clears throat> um, after four years of clean living, he was released from parole. For 25 years, Francisco Vasquez spent time in different jails uh, throughout Mexico uh, for a variety of crimes, uh, drinking, selling drugs, robbery. Um, so he was in and out of Mexican jails. Uh, and in between, he often went to California to visit his brother. Usually, those visits ended up with him being stopped for and cited for DWI. But that wasn't a problem. He would just go back to Mexico and wouldn't show up for his court date. Uh, he lived in Mazatlan, and he used to um, have affairs with women from all over the world who would come to vacation in Mazatlan. Um, he also drank and um, dealt drugs, uh, and he would steal things like uh, airline tickets, credit cards, anything that he could sell to raise money. <laughs> when things slowed down for him in Mexico, he'd go back to California to visit his brother. But the last time he went, he was stopped by the police, and they discovered that, that he had five outstanding arrest warrants, uh, so they put him in jail. 
while he was there, um, he got bored because the only book in his jail cell, the only thing really in his small jail cell was a prison rule book, and he had no interest in reading that. So when the Gideons came to visit the prison and were giving out Bibles, uh, he went to meet them. And uh, for him, it was a chance to get out of his small jail cell for a while and get hopefully get something else to read. So when the, the Gideons offered him a Bible, he gladly accepted it. And uh, he took it back to his room and began reading it. <clears throat> and he prayed that same night, he prayed that if God was real, he would cure him from his addiction to tobacco. He would end his smoking habit. And that was his prayer as he went to bed. The next morning when he woke up, he had no desire for cigarettes. In fact, he could no longer even stand the smell of cigarettes. So he attributed that to the work of Jesus Christ and uh, believed in him. Um, and uh, so he committed his life to Christ. He kept reading the, the Bible, made a commitment to Christ, and on his release, he began telling everybody that he met about Jesus and what he had done for him. And today, he serves in a local church in Mexico. Dr. Herb Abelak grew up in an Orthodox Jewish home. Uh, by the age of seven, he had memorized uh, the Hebrew scriptures. <clears throat> by the age of nine, he could, he could speak fluent Galilean Aramaic, which was the language spoken by Christ and the disciples. <clears throat> by the age of 13, he was already studying Greek. Um, at 17, he was ordained an Orthodox rabbi, and at 19, he was dean of the largest rabbinical school in Brooklyn, New York. In his career, he ordained some 327 other rabbis. He taught at the University of Pennsylvania and Harvard Divinity School, and he did his doctorate on the New Testament uh, because he wanted to know his enemies. <clears throat> so he was a very well-educated man, but one day he, made a, he was on a business trip to Boston, and the airlines managed to lose his luggage. So he was alone in the hotel room with nothing but uh, his Hebrew Bible and a small book of Jewish law. That night he wasn't really interested in reading those, so he turned on the television for entertainment and couldn't find anything interesting there. So he looked around the room to see if there was something that he could read, and uh, in the drawer on the bedside table he found a, uh, a Gideon Bible. <coughs> Now, he thought he knew all the answers uh, because he had a doctorate in Jewish background during New Testament times. Uh, he had read most of the New Testament in the original Greek, and he'd read all of the uh, early church fathers of the first century, the first century commentators of the Bible. So he thought he knew all of it. But when he read the Gospel of John that night, something was different. It seemed totally different to him. And by the time he got to uh, Nicodemus and Jesus teaching on being born again, uh, he was tearing up and trembling. And it scared him to death as he realized that Jesus was the fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophecies that he knew. And he realized that if he didn't accept Jesus, uh, he was lost for all eternity. So he accepted Jesus as the Messiah 
and, and his own personal Lord and Savior. He then spent the rest of his life serving in a rescue mission, uh, leading others to faith in Christ. <laughs> Dr. T.E. Granger first encountered the Gideons uh, when he was inducted into the Air Force. Um, there he got a, uh, a military testament. Um, and he'd always reverenced the Bible, but he'd never read it, didn't know anything about it. Uh, he was focused on partying and having a good time. Uh, and after three years of that lifestyle, he was miserable and guilt-ridden and decided that wasn't working for him. So he, he remembered the Gideon Testament that he'd been given at his uh, induction, and he started reading that. Uh, he began in the book of Matthew, and by the time he reached the Sermon on the Mount, God had spoken to his heart. <clears throat> and uh, he got on his knees and made a commitment to Jesus Christ. After he was discharged from the Air Force, he continued reading the Bible. He became active in a church and began witnessing. God then called him to a full-time ministry, and today he serves as a pastor. Uh, Asphalt Sagay Weiss had lived most of his life without Christ. Because he didn't believe in God, he went through several lifestyle changes, uh, seeking fulfillment and truth and never finding it. Uh, he spent some time practicing demonic cults. Uh, that didn't work for him. Uh, he tried partying and smoking and drinking and got nothing really from that. But when believers shared the gospel with him, um, he got very angry and was very much opposed to the gospel and began to hate Christians uh, for even sharing it with him. He began searching for the truth by reading political and uh, philosophical books and he practiced the Baha'i religion for a while. Um, but none of that worked. So finally, he, he got a Gideon Testament and started reading through that. And uh, the Holy Spirit opened his heart. Uh, he confessed his sins, and he signed his name in the back of the New Testament, uh, documenting his uh, acceptance of, of Jesus Christ as his personal Lord and Savior. Uh, today, he is a Gideon himself. So those are just some of the things uh, that God is doing through our ministry. <clears throat> and again, you can be a part of that. Uh, you can be a part of our Gideon ministry by praying for us. Uh, please pray for our coming activities, especially our uh, scripture blitz in September, that God will open doors uh, for us to share with people, that he will open hearts to receive the gospel and that we'll see many people in our community accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Uh, you can also, as Luke mentioned, support us financially. Uh, if you want to give today, James and I will accept it, or you can uh, designate your offering to the Gideons and put it in the offering box, and the church in a couple of weeks will give us a check for what they received. Uh, and you can also become one of us, uh, join us. I do have applications uh, this morning, and James and I would be happy to talk to you about how you can become a Gideon and join us in this ministry. Uh, if you become a Gideon or auxiliary member, uh, one of the benefits is you won't have to hear so many secondhand testimonies by people like me hearing it from other Gideons. Uh, you can actually, at, at a lot of our meetings, our faith fund rallies, our, our um, conventions, we have the actual people who have come to know the Lord through the scriptures that we present. 
will come and speak. So you'll get to interact with them as well. <coughs> and I've got this morning a video. Uh, it's about 10 minutes that I want to share with you. This is a testimony uh, from a man who spoke at our recent um, international convention. And this will show you what you get to hear uh, in person if you are a um, if you are a Gideon or auxiliary member and come to our meetings and hear and interact with these people. So it's about 10 minutes. Uh, if we have the video, and then I will wrap up afterwards. Because we've all been brought together as one family, the family of Christ. You know, I grew up in a home that was divided. My mother was a devout Christian. My father was a drunk, very abusive. I remember as a child, and my dad would come home, and usually he would take out his anger on me or my two brothers. My mother would always jump in the middle. It was one thing to always know that my mother would be there, no matter what. But I could always depend on her. I can remember as a child... Every time the doors were open, we were in church. It didn't matter what it was. It didn't matter what day of the week. But my mother was committed to Christ. When I was eight years old, my mother was diagnosed with a brain tumor. As an eight-year-old boy back then, I didn't really understand the implications of what that meant. But in February of 1972, my mother would die from that brain tumor. My dad continued to be abusive and brought prostitutes into our home two weeks after my mother passed away. I became very bitter and very angry. My dad used church as a child care. He would take me to church and drop me off. Sometimes he would pick me up, sometimes he wouldn't. One particular weekend, they had a homecoming, lots of food. I was excited because most of the time I spent collecting bottles door to door to return for the <coughs> refund so that I could eat. A gentleman at that church decided that he would give me a ride after it was over, molested me. I became the bitter, most angry young man you ever met. I hated God. I hated people. I didn't trust anyone, and I wanted nothing to do with God or church. I began to seek my dad's alcohol out of the home. By the time I was 13, I was drinking heavily. At 15, I was pretty much drunk all the time. At 17, I found cocaine. Cocaine took over my life. I developed a $300-a-day addiction. The only way to supply that type of habit is to steal it or deal it. I did both. I sold anything that wasn't nailed down. It found me in juvenile detention centers, group homes, and ultimately at 21 years old, it found me looking at 18 to 25 years in prison. That was not part of my plan. There was never a point in my life where I ever dreamed that I would find myself in this situation. Scared, unsure of what the future held, a riot broke out between two rival gangs and I got stuck in the middle. Me and another gentleman both had cleanup duty. I had a mop and he had a broom which had industrial sized handles and both sides wanted them to fight. And neither of us gave in. That night they took the other gentleman to the back of the unit and they beat him. And they beat him for hours. I can tell you for 10 years I had nightmares about what I saw when I walked up and looked at that man's face. Teeth busted out, blood running from every angle of his face, unrecognizable. I got the guards to come. They took him to the infirmary. I don't know if he lived or died to this day. But what I knew was this. I wasn't worried about 18 to 25 years anymore because they came up to me and said, you're going out just like him. Now I was worried about dying. 
I stood in front of the unit so that the guard tower could always see me through the camera, and a gentleman came by with a cart full of books. He stopped me, and he looked at me. He said, you look like you need a friend. I said, no, I need to get out of here. He said, I got exactly what you need. I said, you got a get-out-of-jail-free card? He said, I got something better. He handed me a Gideon Bible. I looked at the Bible. I looked at that gentleman, and I said, I don't need your God. I don't need your religion, and I don't need this Bible, and I tossed it across the room. But for the next two hours, all I could think about was that Bible. I don't remember birthday parties. I don't remember Christmas. I remember no holidays growing up. I remember no special events. But I remember my mother's faith. My mother died with a Bible in her hand. When she was too sick to get to church, she would call and listen to the service. And I'm staring at this Bible with no hope and no sense whatsoever of help from any direction. And I went over and I picked up the Bible. I said, all right, God, you're real. Prove it. Get me out of here because if you don't, I'm going to die. I started reading the Bible. I didn't understand anything I read. That same day at 4.30 in the afternoon, they took me out of mainstream population and put me in a private cell as a trustee working in the kitchen. I was convinced there was something to this, but I still didn't know what. I met with my attorney who said the only hope that I had is to throw myself on the mercy of the court. Plead guilty. I said, what am I looking at? He said, you're going to do a minimum of 18 years. My life was going to be over. I turned 21 in prison. It came time for me to be sentenced. I went before the judge, and my attorney gives me the best counsel that he has. Looks sad. I'm thinking, are you out of your mind? I don't have to pretend. I am devastated. My life is over. I walked in, he said, when you get in there, just look down, don't show remorse. I walked in and the first thing I did was walk up before the judge and I put my head down. And the first thing I heard was this, Mr. Farmer. And the judge screams at me. He said, you look at me when you address this court. First time in my life I ever said these two words, yes, sir. I didn't respect anybody. I didn't respect me. I respect. I didn't care about anybody. It didn't matter. He said, "Do you understand the charges?" I was not very smart. I put my head down. He yelled again. I won't do that. Third time, he said, "Well, based on your plea of guilt and based on the charges before you today, I sent you to 25 years in the California State Penitentiary." My heart fell to my feet. I was going to be 46 years old when I walked out of prison. He said, however, I have no explanation for what I'm about to do to you next. I thought, uh-oh, he's found out more stuff I've done. He's about to add some more time to this thing. He said, but understand this. If you get a parking ticket, if you get in trouble anywhere, any place in the country, you will serve the remainder of your sentence. Do you understand? I said, no, sir. I have no idea what that meant. He said, you've served exactly eight months to the day. You owe California 24 years and four months. I'm giving you credit for time served, and I'm releasing you. I understood the word release. Walk back to the... <laughs> I walked back to the day room with, count with my attorney. He said, don't pack your bags. You're not leaving. I said, well, he just said, he said, I'm telling you, he's made a mistake. He's going to change this. I got out about 7 o'clock in the morning with $7 and some change in my pocket. That's all I had. And... I found a halfway house that let me come there. They had a job that would help me, and I could get on my feet, and I thought I was going to be riding horses. I'd watched a lot of westerns with John Wayne. I kind of figured a horse farm would be fun. Well, I didn't get to ride the horse. <laughs> you already know what I got to do. But I came very well acquainted with Mr. Pitchfork. 
I called my brother and I said, hey, I need a place to stay. He said, I'm going to give you one chance. I burnt every bridge of everybody in the family. I said, oh, I'm done. I, I made a deal with God. I said, God, you God, will never do anything again. He said, oh, you got jihad's religion. I said, I don't know what I got, but I made a deal. Left there, went back to Chicago where I grew up. Had my head still had that Gideon Bible. I was reading it all the time. Didn't understand nothing. I did great for a couple of weeks. Maybe even a couple of months, if I remember. And old friends started calling, asking me to come out. One beer led to two, two led to four. Pretty soon I'm drinking and snorting cocaine. And I'm back on drugs, running people with cocaine all over the country again. But I still got the Bible, but something changed. You see, I read the Word of God. I didn't understand it. But it got in me. I started watching videos of Blockbusters. You remember the Blockbuster and VHS? I watched Jesus of Nazareth, Life of Christ, Ben-Hur, Spartacus, the Ten Commandments, the Robe. If it had anything to do with the Bible, I'd watch it. I would drink, I would do drugs, and I would cry my eyes out. I thought I was losing my mind. Well, I had a girl that I was living with. She got pregnant. I didn't really care. I said, so? You're pregnant. We have a baby. I'm not going to marry you. That was the end of that. She said, well, what are we going to do? I said, I don't know what you're going to do. You have a baby. I'll, I'll support the baby. Well, the DEA was about to bust me, and it was time to disappear, so I came to Georgia. And I had to make a decision when the baby was born, so I brought the baby to Georgia with her, with no intention of ever marrying her. A little ad in the newspaper said, watch your child overnight, $20 weekend, Christian home. I went to meet this lady. I walked up. She was overweight. She was missing some teeth. She was losing some hair. And my girlfriend immediately gave her her answer with a right elbow. Wham! No way. We are not leaving our daughter here. I said, let's just go in and see. I walked in, and something was different. First of all, she had preaching on the radio. We listened to church on the radio. The second thing is everywhere I looked was Jesus. There was a picture over the fireplace that had clouds that made stairs, and Jesus was standing at the top like this. I started crying. What is wrong with me? Two weeks later, my phone rings at 7 in the morning. I decided it was over. We had split up, and I was going to end my life. I was going to park my car in a garage. I was going to sleep and never going to wake up. She needed a ride to church. 7 o'clock in the morning, she called. She said, Tammy said that you would give me a ride to church. I said, well, I don't do church, and I ain't going nowhere to church. No. I gave the phone to Tammy after a brief argument. We walked into that church January 15, 1995. I walked in with a $300 a day addiction. For the very first time in my life, folks, I heard the truth. My problem wasn't alcohol. My problem wasn't God took my mom. My problem wasn't my dad. My problem wasn't any of those things. My problem was that I was a sinner in need of a Savior. For the very first time in my life, I heard the truth of the gospel. That day, Jesus set me free. And I can tell you today, I can tell you today that that girl is my, is my wife and the mother of my three kids. And I will spend the rest of my life telling people the truth of the gospel. Because I don't care what the problem is, I don't care what the circumstance or situation is, the answer is the same. Christ is the only hope for this world, and he's the only one that can help. Every eight seconds, somebody steps off in eternity somewhere. Every eight seconds, someone dies, folks. They step into an eternity of heaven or hell. And the only defining factor that makes a difference is the cross. It's what Christ did that makes a difference, and it's our responsibility to reach every single person we can. Wherever we can, however we can, whenever we can, wherever or whoever, that's our responsibility is to go and tell.
Thank you and God bless you. Well, now you know who we are as Gideons. I hope you've been encouraged. Um, it's We get testimonies all the time. We get a, our Gideon magazine uh, that always has testimonies in the work that God is doing uh, through our ministry. So I hope it's encouraged you. Um, and um, ask that you please consider joining us uh, and making a difference in our community for Jesus Christ and for all eternity. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you and praise you for the work that you're doing among us. We thank you for your word and for the opportunity to share it. I pray that you'll give each one of us a heart for the lost and, and for things of eternity. I pray that you'll give us opportunities to share your son with others, that they can know the joy and peace and fellowship with you that we enjoy as believers. I pray that you'll open hearts that you'll give us courage and confidence to share and that we will make it a priority in our lives and that in all of this we give the glory to you it's all you you're the one that does it we're just your servants your messengers all of the glory is to you not to us not to the Gideons but to you thank you for this time for the encouragement and be with us as we go from here in Jesus name amen you're dismissed <laughs>